How important is the brand in the big scheme of things, do you think? I think it's extremely important. I think the brand is the why. You know, the mm-hmm. brand keeps you, the brand keeps you coming back. It keeps the people coming back. You know, it, it's a connection. You know, I think they said something like what, 60,000, 60 plus thousand songs are uploaded to any platform on a given day you know, wow. by different artists, you know. And so when that kind of, when those numbers are going up and people have access to it in their, in their hands with their phone, you know, what makes people come back to your music is your brand, you know, is, is, is what you stand on, what they know they're going to get from you every time. So, and I think that's in music, that's in business, that's in, you know, life in general, you don't have to have a business to have a brand and be, you know, um, uh, a valuable person. If I know what I'm going to get from you every time, if I know, you know, how you put yourself out there, how you present yourself, that's your brand. And that's extremely important. and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Together, Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. Interesting guest with us today. Uh, uh, in a minute, we'll get to his bio from that perspective. But uh, once again, my co-host Zach is here today. Good to see you, Zach. Good to see you too, Andy. Always a pleasure. We have an exciting guest for you today. Not a traditional story, you know. When it comes to entrepreneurship, typically people go make their money uh, in some other kind of profession, and then they decide to get in the business world. And our guest today has flipped that story. Started off as an entrepreneur. And is now following his dream in uh, in music, which is one of his passions in life. So, with us today is Mr. Rod Hardy. Uh, there's nothing more relatable than someone who lived your story and and is an Indiana hip hop artist. 
Uh, Rod is no exception. Lyricizing about everything from staying motivated and Mamba mentality. He's known for diving into real life events contrary to most. At a young age, after his parents' divorce, Rod's mother pulled him from the inner city for a better chance at life at better schools. For two years, she drove Rod, his brother and sister to a school he wanted nothing to do with before she saved enough money to move to suburbia. Seeing friends coming from money and seeing that it was more to life than what he was exposed to prior opened Rod's eyes to the opportunities life has to offer. That much like with his favorite movie, Forrest Gump, with enough perseverance despite all the odds. Anything is possible. Although he enjoyed getting into the studio for fun with his friends, he kept his nose to the grindstone down the traditional path of going to college, getting a corporate job. He received a football scholarship to Indiana State and spent his college years focused on his athletic and professional career. Kept saying, I can't be broke. Rod later went to grad school for his master's in uh, uh, business administration while working in finance in a traditional corporate American job, which we'll get into. In 2017, Rod took the leap to run his first business. Only a few years later, he had already had three under his belt. And the money gave him the freedom to do what he wanted when he wanted, however, was that life purpose piece was missing. Turning point in his life, uh, his older brother was in a coma for three weeks uh, during the COVID pandemic and um, we're greatly love the fact, uh, Rod, that your brother came out of that coma and had a discussion with you, said you need to go chase your dream, which is music, uh, which we'll get into. But Rod, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we can't wait for you to tell your story because I think it's a very interesting one and greatly appreciate you being with us today. So let's start off telling your story from the beginning. Give us an idea what it was like to grow up in uh, Indianapolis and the Midwest uh, what it was like to do a transition uh, to suburbia. Uh, I myself, when I was uh, uh, a youth, moved like three or four times. So I know what moving is like and having to make new friends. But talk a little bit about how that change was for you. Yeah, it's always uh, different to hear, you know, hear your bio, man, to hear like, you know, the stuff that you just, you know, live through that you don't even think about. But it was a transition, you know. So for me, my brother and sister, it was it was just like you said, new friends, new uh, lifestyle, new area, very different. You know, one of the biggest things that I always remember from 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 that big move was that, you know, the things we would do in, in the inner city, you know, growing up with our friends and things we would do at school, different things like that. Well, when we got out to the new neighborhood, that was, you know, we were getting slapped on the wrist. You know, that was trouble for us. It was, you know, just random little things like that where the lifestyle was a lot different. Yeah, you know, in school and in the neighborhoods, and and uh, you know, a much different time where people weren't so accessible. You know, now you you, you see everything, you can learn everything from the internet, but it wasn't such a big deal then. So for us, it was a, a complete culture shock, something we had never seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and transition at a young age. I mean, I had to be uh, elementary school age, so I mean that transition was was very, very different. So, Rod, you, you mentioned um, in an interview that, you know, you couldn't be broke with any kind of put in your bio, right? And that was, you'd say that was your real driving force and, yeah. and pursuing college, Indiana State, playing football, and going for your MBA, right? Yeah. Um, was that really a product area of, you know, 
where you went to high school and the culture of that community that you just mentioned, kind of that culture shock. And um, yeah. what what really opened your eyes to what the world could offer um, that weren't really there earlier in life? Yeah, I think that's I think that's played a big role in it. One thing I would say is even as a even as a young age, you know, my grandfather always used to uh, just I would I just remember him always saying he's he's super observant. He's observant. And my mom would always say, man, your granddad just said you're very observant of things going on around you. And it didn't make sense to me then. But I do think as I got older, I realized it of just paying attention to the things that were happening around me, you know, constant cycle, you know, where I grew up of, of, you know, people that may have been happy and having a good time, but it wasn't a lot of financial stability, wasn't a lot of money, you know. And so when we transitioned out to, you know, that new area and then seeing people who really who truly had the comforts of financial stability and being able to do different things, you know, summer vacations, spring break vacations and things like that, things that I had never seen, you know, where I grew up, nobody, when the summer rolled around, that just meant we was outside more, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, up and down the neighborhood at the parks and stuff like that, but never like taking trips and going to different places or, you know, having, uh, big birthday parties and things like that. So once I started seeing that, it just kind of opened my eyes to that there was more to life and things that were going on. I remember buying my own plane ticket and taking my first spring break trip. I was like 16 or 17. And uh, I flew to Atlanta. Me and some of my friends flew to Atlanta uh, (laughs) for spring break. And that was the first time I had ever been on a plane. It was the first trip I had ever taken. And it just it just kind of sprung something in me to just be like, there's so much more to see than what I know. And one of my big things is when I get to those locations, I try to immerse myself in what the local people do, not what the tours do, but what Mm -hmm. the local people do. So I can understand that area and that culture and really just kind of get a feel for do I like this place, you know, or, or what can I take from it and take back to where I live or where I'm from that can benefit the people around me and being broke wasn't going to help you, you know, traveling. I did not. Did you not? <laughs> I used to hear, I used to hear stories about it all the time, man. So maybe that was why, you know, yeah. We chose. Just, yeah. <laughs> so For sure. Well, after, after uh, two or three sessions, episodes, whatever you want to call it about freak Nick, uh, it got to a point where the city was actually planning for it because of the disruption it would have with yeah. the comings and goings. I mean, well, yeah, it grew at such a big size that uh, they had, they had to deal with it and plan, plan things around it to keep everybody safe and everybody having a good time. Yeah. So, so let's talk about your, uh, your, your journey from college to an entrepreneur uh, in between having a corporate life. Some people say that's just like an innate thing. Some people have big life changes that causes them to, you know, want to go into the entrepreneur world. But talk a little bit about how that journey has been for you. And what was that deciding point for you to go jump out of corporate and into entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I, I, I think I always I always felt like I had bigger ideas than some people were accustomed to. And so, you know, when you have big ideas or, or just uh, what I would call a groundbreaking voice and it's not being heard or accepted, you quickly learn like I, it's either suppress that piece of 
you know, my mind or what I'm doing, or I'll push it on my own. And so, you know, the transition of getting into corporate America, I quickly realized, you know, it to me, it felt like a rat race, you know, just a bunch of people kind of going along through the motions every day. And one thing I really hate is to do the same thing every day or to have the same schedule, you know, every day. <laughs> it, I, I, I knew I couldn't do that. I can't sit in an office or I can't sit in one space for too long, you know, while I was in grad school and I was coaching at the college level in football, you know, I'm just moving around all the time. We from the weight room over to the admissions, you know, helping players get in and stuff like that. I enjoyed that. The days that we had to sit in the office and, you know, call recruits or watch film, those were not my favorite days. And I knew that (laughs) right away. And so once I got into a corporate space and it was like, you know, some days were, you know, we sitting here at this desk. I was always the person roaming around the office, like, you know, just thinking of like, shit, what can I do to get, you know, out of here or do something different? And so mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. And I would say if it was one event that really changed my mind of what, what I was doing was uh, we had a big um, party, annual party for our company, giving out awards, different things like that. and. Some of the some of the higher ups in the company had an issue with the tuxedo. I wore it had a couple. It had like it was really kind of like an old to Asian culture. So my collar was a little different, you know, mm-hmm. kind of had that old school Bruce Lee outfit look. Mm-hmm. And then it had it had a couple little designs on it that just like I said, really were just a tip of the hat to the Asian culture. And they just they thought it was a little too much to the point where the conversation was if a promotion rolls around, you don't want people to remember you for something you wore. And so I knew, you know, just me being me, I was never going to fit the mold of what, you know, they yeah. wanted me to be or anything of the sort like that. So uh, that, that I remember that being in January, that, uh, that banquet was in January. I might've put my notice in, in May. And then they, they asked me to stay uh, through Q3 to help them get somebody hired. So I stayed for them. And then that September, I was out and uh, started my own company. And it's been, you know, good ever since. You know, it was it was definitely the right decision. So how do you feel about the need to have a why in life to be an entrepreneur? How strong is that linkage, do you feel? I think it's really important. I think the why helps you get through those low moments because by no means can I sit here and say starting a business and stuff was just smooth sailing for me. You know, my first go round. So I had I had two runs in the trucking industry. I started my first company when I first started. I started out with a team of people. Uh, they had already been in the industry. They knew the industry. They had uh, kind of initially it was fun to me as, you know, kind of teaching me the ropes so that I could branch off and do my own thing. Once we got going, I noticed quickly they weren't teaching me the stuff. They were keeping me away from the stuff. So I wouldn't learn so that I, because obviously I was paying them a percentage of what my trucks were doing for them to teach me. And so, um, you know, within six to 12 months, they had probably taken $50,000 from me and hadn't done any work. I think it was just under 50, maybe like 48 and some change. Obviously we did the math on it, but they had taken $50,000 from me, didn't do the work they we're supposed to. And once we found out about it, you know, basically cut ties. That was a huge hit to me in my first year of business. 
Wow. I basically, I basically lost that business. And I was probably upset, you know, and and a little confused, you know, kind of just pissed off about it for about, I would say about a month. I was really salty about it. I was working with my lawyers trying to recover the money and that was becoming a headache. And then about after a month, I was just like, you know, you just got to strap up and get it done. And so I basically restart. I literally took my trucks off the road. I got all these trucks sitting in my front yard. You know, I've got uh, trailers in my yard. I've got drivers who are like, do we still have a job? You know, like, what are we doing? And I just told them all, you know, I can't offer you a job right now. I hope you guys come back. And I literally went ground level and started the company up from scratch by myself. Went and got all the license brokering, uh, went and built relationships, everything else. And within two months of telling myself I was going to do it, we were back up and running, brought them back. And, you know, when you start in the business, you still you, you got to remember, I'm still 50,000 in the hole yeah. uh, in a six month period. Plus, on top of that, what it took me, what I had to reinvest to get started again, right. you know, I'm less than a year out of my corporate job. And it's easy to say. Man, let me go back. But like you said, you turn to that wine. It's like this is this is, you know, this these are the things that when you're in the corporate space, these are the things that the people at the top deal with every day when they have to figure out losses and stuff like that. So in order to get there, you got to be resilient and you got to keep going. So I always tell people. You know, don't look at the end result, because, I mean, I can tell you, I, I had a lot of losses along the way and to figure it out. But you just have to keep going if that's what you really want to do. Yeah, when I go on get interviewed on other podcasts and we, we get on this subject, I always tell them, the why is the oak tree that you're going to hang on to when you're in the valley uh, of your business cycle and the weather is crap and windy and things are not going well? It, it's the oak tree that's going to get you through it, you know, until you start sure. going back up on the trajectory and, and pull yourself out of a ditch, so to speak. And yeah, and keep going. So, I'm, and Rod, I think that's huge. I mean, one of the business leaders I follow, you know, for the first, you know, 12 to 18 months, they say everything you touch is going to turn to crap when you start a business. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then it's a, you know, three to five, five to 10 year game to really see that success. And most people don't realize it. That's true. Um, and then I think, I think the why, I think another thing the why just tells you the why is going to get you through those days where you work until midnight, 1 a.m. and then you got to be back up at mm-hmm. five to get back to it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's tough. It's, that's tough when you tire, you know, and, and different things like that. And like you said, you, you grinding for 12, 18, 24 months and you're just trying to get out of the red and you can't figure out like, you know, why it is. But for me, I don't, you know, some people learn different ways, but for me, uh, I have to do it. You know, I know that about myself. I have to put my feet in the water and do it myself. You can tell me about it. I, I can follow a, you know, a blueprint. There's obviously people who have done it before. Mm-hmm. So like you said, you can follow a blueprint, but if you're going to be successful, obviously that blueprint is going to be tailored to what works for you. And so what works for you, it has to be figured out. And like you said, those first 12 to 24 months, it's figuring out time, you know? So kind of transition here to where most people have a pivotal event or happening in their life that causes a complete shift, a complete pivot. Right. So you mentioned, you know, with your, with your brother's illness, everything, a lot of big events like that can change where people are. 
How did that really help you pivot from that relationship, help you pivot from, you know, that career to actually chasing? It, it really just, it really opened my eyes and, and gave me a new perspective on life is what it did. So, you know, you, you talk about something, my brother's two years older than me, you know, so I, I, that's all I've ever known. You know what I mean? Like we've always, mm-hmm. you know, as I was doing music, my brother's a producer, you know, he's, a, he's in Florida, he produces music. So, you know, it's, it's, it's always been something we did. Uh, he's always been there. I talk to him almost every day, uh, if not every day. And, and so to all of a sudden go, you know, 28 years, 30 years of being able to talk to him every day to going a whole three weeks and not even being able to know how he's doing. You know, I couldn't travel to see him. They weren't letting anybody in the hospital. You know, it was, it was, it was a time where it was like, the only thing I know is what a nurse or a doctor calls me and tells me, you know, so that in itself was already an eye opening experience. And then when, when he comes home and he wakes up, you're so excited that he's healthy and he's coming home. That's the only thing you focus on until you realize he's not even the same person when he comes home, you know, Mm -hmm. like his, his, his mind is so open to stuff now. And it's like, you know, he's just thinking about, he's taking every moment in because he knows where he was at, you know? And so that trickled down into, you know, into me, that's what he gave me of just saying every moment matters. And, you know, one of the big things he said was, he said, you know, I've been, his son's a big baseball player. He plays tribal baseball and everything like that. And, and so he said, I had been telling him that we were going to go uh, for a summer and go work with this specific coach uh, that he was going to train with. He said, I told him we would do it in the summer. Well, I get sick in, you know, January, February, I end up in a coma. And he was like, man, I could have never, that could have happened. And I would have never taken him to something he had been asking me and something I was saying he was going to do it. So that's what it was, was putting into perspective, like literally anything we say we do, you know, if we don't do it now, there's a chance we won't get to it. And, you know, you talk about, you know, each person, I mean, life expectancy somewhere in the seventies, maybe 80 years old, mm-hmm. you know, that's, a, that's a drop in the bucket compared to, you right. know, life's going to go on and this, this, this earth, this world will continue to go on. So why not spend your 80, 75, 80 years the way you want to do it, you know, and doing anything that you want to do because it's all possible, you know? So, so that was, that's just, you know, uh, what I would feed to anybody is just, it doesn't matter what you want to do. Just take that first step today, you know? I love it. And yeah. I've heard it put one way is on a gravestone right there. Yep. Right. I love it. Just what do you want? What are you going to fill the dash with? Is it going to be significant mm-hmm. or insignificant? So, for sure. So, if we had somebody who's listening to this episode is thinking about starting uh, their own business and become an entrepreneur, what would be one or two pieces of advice you you give him or her? Start where you are. You know, uh, today is a today is a world full of social media and watching other people and other stuff, but where they are <laughs> is not where you're at. You know, so, right. so really just just start where you are. If 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 the first thing you need to do is um, register with the secretary of state and get you an EIN number, then just do that. Or if, even if it's just uh, coming up with a prototype or maybe even just doing online sales from your website to even see if people are interested, like whatever that is, do it. Start where you are, not where you want to be or not where the rest of the world says you should be. 
And then one of the things you touched on would be the other pieces. Just keep that why. Always be willing to, you know, keep your why, but continuously grow and evolve along the way. Preaching my niece and nephew straight forever like I'm a folk. Dad, not rich enough to change the past, but rich enough to fool. brag. I did it my way. That's how I knew I was special. Ever since I was a kid, I knew I was special. My grandpa told my mom, girl, he gonna be special. I felt a little different, like it's something special. Like I could change the world and do something special. So, following up on that why piece, I mean, when when you were in the downtown, what are the biggest things you did to keep your why in front of your face, like to where you saw it all the time? So, I'm a big visual person. I'm a big affirmation type of person. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people, my friends and stuff, they'll tell you, man, when you come to my house, you'll see my bathroom mirrors got. It looks like. Uh, a journal or something you know as I think of stuff (laughs) I write it in my mirror and it's just there and so for however long that statement or that quote feels this Mm -hmm. purpose in my life is there Mm -hmm. and then once you know once I've ingrained it enough I can erase that open up that space for something else that might come up so so that's you know literally how I keep it in my face is I write you know those on my on my mirror uh, you know, sticky notes over my laptop, you know, of just uh, whatever needs to be done today. And then another piece that'll keep your wire going is uh, I like to take, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a checklist person. So today, these five things have to be done. We're not trying to do more, can't do less. Like these things have to be done today, you know, and celebrate those small victories along the way. So that's amazing advice, I think. Um, success leaves clues, for sure. So so shifting to a business leadership perspective, right? what are the biggest you know, three things would you say a leader really needs to focus on and do to? Yeah. 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 I, think, I think one at the top of that list is the people. You know, focus on the people, right? If you got employees, those employees need to be happy, comfortable, know their role, and also held accountable for whatever their role is. But I think it's it's easier to hold everyone accountable when they're made a part of what's going on. So the, the top thing would be the people, for sure. You know, number two, I would say uh, focus on the numbers. You know, the, the, the numbers are, are, you know, a, a tall tale of where you're at, you know, and not always saying the numbers are great. If we taking the loss this month, we taking the loss. Like, but we need to know that, you know, we got to know because at the end of the day in business, you know, obviously business is always about the numbers. What kind of revenue are you? People don't start businesses. Even, uh, you know, nonprofits have balance sheets and they know what's coming in and different things like that. So uh, stick to the numbers, know your numbers, you know, um, understand them. Don't be discouraged by them. Just, you know, have them there, know them. And then third, I would just say, uh, be able to reevaluate, evaluate, reevaluate not only the company, but yourself as well as a leader, you know, be able to take that constructive criticism, you know, and, and don't think 
like I said, I've been I've been CEO and owner of my companies, but trust me, I'm not the smartest person in the room. You know, I think the the best quality I have is bringing on people around me who are much smarter. You know, mm-hmm. who understand much more than I do. Uh, they may not want the responsibility of being a owner or mm-hmm. or the stress of being an owner, but they that doesn't mean they don't have the brains, the knowledge, the creative around them or in their in inside of them that can take this company to a new level. So uh, that's the biggest thing for a leader is just don't ever feel like, uh, you know, you are the end all be all know everything. Yeah. When, I, when, I, when I've mentored people, I've always told them, don't be afraid to hire people that are smarter than you, because what you're going to be judged on is the results that come for out sure. of it and the ability to lead people to that goal. So yeah. It's it's not an ego thing. It's about results, and you want the smartest people in the world yeah. on your team to help you achieve those results. That's true. And everybody I bring in, man. So anytime I bring somebody in, I always, you know, spin it to them or, or talk to them about, you know, today you could be an employee, but tomorrow you can be a consultant. Like if you think about mm-hmm. creating your own value of of what you bring to the table. That's when you can step away and say, I don't want to work under you anymore. I've started this myself, but you can still, I can still offer you my services, but this is the new price. That's when all of a sudden now you have negotiating power when you created a value of your own and you can go into, you know, sit at the table and say, this is what it'll cost for my service. And if not, you know, it is what it is and stuff. So I always try to encourage people to be that. If you're not with my company forever, that's fine. But I want you to leave here with a mindset of knowing what you're worth wherever you go. Yeah, so let's turn to your music for a minute. When you when you write your music, are you just pulling things that you're feeling at the moment and want to write something about in terms of music? Or do you have sort of set messages, whether it be about life or business or the world or so forth, that you sort of have as a mantra theme, if you will, for your overall music that you want to keep writing about? Uh, it's a combination of things. So if I'm going in and working on a, uh, you know, an entire album, a project is going together, you know, it, it may be an overall message that, that I want to get through. So every song, every time I go in and write something, every song is going to follow that message and keep up with what that entire project is going to sound like or is going to put forward, you know. But some days you wake up and uh, for whatever reason, whatever's on you know, whatever you feel and whatever's on your heart at that time, you want to write. And I mean, I could be, you know, running down the street, driving down the street, anything and something that happens around me. You know, most of the inspiration comes from just living life. You know, I can mm-hmm. see somebody and then living in L.A., you see a lot of different things. So, like, I can see somebody that will just spark something different. And, and then all of a sudden, one line turns into two lines, turns into a whole thought. And then you're writing you know, a whole song about a single top. So it's it's just a combination of really having that free-flowing creativity and knowing that my gift to the world is through my words. And so the way I put my words together is is unique in itself. So, you know, even though 10 people might see the same thing, nobody's going to be able to write the story the way I did. Yeah. You know, so. so what... What would be the three words you would use to describe the the Rod Hardy brand? Three words. I would say consistent. That's one thing we always 
pride ourselves on is being consistent mm-hmm. with when it comes to content, when it comes to message, when it comes to, uh, you know, content, anything across the board, we want to be consistent uh, to our fans. I think we owe it to our fans to be consistent, you know, in a, in a time where, you know, uh, here today, gone tomorrow, you know, people are kind of fly by night, especially in the music industry. So consistency is one thing for the brand. Uh, the other thing is authentic. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, I don't try to do anything like, I guess, follow the trends or whatever is popular at the time, you know, my and and which will take me into my last, you know, word is, is, is just timeless. We try to create timeless music. You know, I think it's a lot of music out there now that's following a trend that sounds a lot of like a lot of things going on, but it'll be popular now. But in 10 years, I mean, you think about it. You know, uh, in the hip hop space, you know, uh, Biggie and Tupac been dead 20 years. Mm-hmm. But everybody can recite lyrics to music that they put out because it was so unique. It was so different at a time. And you think there's been thousands of artists in between that time who have had songs that at that time they were really popular. You know, somebody could have released a song in 2004 that was super popular and the world knew it, but they don't remember it today. You know, and they're not fans today. So one one piece of our brand is just being extremely timeless. And to be timeless, I think it's creating <clears throat> a unique sound that people haven't heard before. If you can't get it anywhere else, people are always going to want it, you know, where they first heard it. So. So how do you how do you feel about the importance of a brand to um, a human being, to a musician, to an entrepreneur, business? man or woman, how important is the brand in the big scheme of things, do you think? I think it's extremely important. I think the brand is the why. You know, the Mm -hmm. brand keeps you, the brand keeps you coming back. It keeps the people coming back. You know, it's a connection. You know, I think they said something like 60,000, 60 plus thousand songs are uploaded to any platform on a given day by different artists, you know. And so when that kind of when those numbers are going up and people have access to it in their in their hands with their phone, you know, what makes people come back to your music is your brand, you know, is, is, is what you stand on, what they know they're going to get from you every time. So, and I think that's in music, that's in business, that's in, you know, life in general, you don't have to have a business to have a brand and be, you know, um, uh, uh, a valuable person. If I know what I'm going to get from you every time, if I know, you know, how you put yourself out there, how you present yourself, that's your brand. And that's extremely important. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to spend um, a little bit of time in Napa Valley uh, a number of years ago. And I walked up to the concierge of the hotel I was staying in and said, I'm not interested in going to taste a bunch of wine. I'd really like to sit down and spend a little bit of time with a, with an owner to talk about the business because I had some wild dreams of on my own vineyard someday uh, when I retired. But uh, she found me an owner uh, to sit down and I asked the question of him, what is the most critical thing in the success for you as a business owner that does wine? And I was expecting an answer around logistics, you know, the cost of the land, you know, you know, sort of the typical business issues. And he said, it's my story. It's, it's the brand that yeah. there's so many uh, wine choices, just like you said, 60,000 downloads a day. That just blows my mind away. But 
lots of winemakers out there and it's all about the label. It's about the brand and it's about the story behind how the vineyard and, and the company came to be was the most critical success factor. And that kind of surprised me in that answer, but I've always held that story in my heart as I've moved along with my own life story, so to speak. Yep. And I mean, you think about, you think about being able to do something like that, you know, on your end for that owner, you know, kind of like I talked about before. Number one thing is the people for that owner. He took the time to talk to the people that were interested in what he was doing. You know, how different is that from the rest of those vineyards up there? How different is that from the other wines? Oh, yeah. He only had one caveat. He said, you have to do a, um, a wine tasting with me while while we have that conversation. He had about seven or eight wines that he offered, but the cheapest bottle was $80. And he only sold directly to the consumer. He said, mm-hmm. Andy, I was just in Houston two weeks ago doing a wine tasting backstage with Rascal Flats. So that, that gives you kind of an idea of his yeah. of his clientele. but. The willingness to sit down with an average Joe, so to speak, and and have that conversation meant the world to me, and tells tells me a lot about him and his brand. Yeah. And we mentioned a little bit of story, and we've talked about it on different episodes about you know importance of storytelling. So, Rod, from your perspective, both as a as a business leader, right, because kind of wearing two hats here as a business leader, but also as a musician, which music. I know there's a lot of it, but how important in both roles is is storytelling? I think it's huge on both sides. And and probably, you know, the thing about being a musician is what what I find out or what some people may not understand or or might not even, you know, want to accept some people making uh, music is that you are a business. Like it's it's a transition from it's a transition from being uh, a creative and being an artist to being a business like you as a person are now a business. You know, what you do creates revenue across the board for a lot of people, you know, through through streams, through merch sales, through tours, through, I mean, all of that, there's a lot of people being paid off of that. So now all of a sudden you are a business. And so when you think about that, uh, you know, you kind of start to gel the two, you know, together, you know, it's, it's the same thing. And so in order to just like Andy mentioned, in order to sell my pot, my product, people need to buy into the store. So I've got to tell the story of who I am and why I make music. And, you know, for a musician, the biggest thing is, is though I can do it all at once, because if you just listen to the music, I can put, I can put who I am into the words, you know, of what I'm saying. If, if that's, you know, my style of music and if I can pull it off, you know, uh, some people, some people write about, you know, stuff of just, you know, having a good time and then they have to go back and tell their story. And that's when it's really important, like you said, to sit down with the fans, to be uh, accessible to the fans, to connect with them and find a way, you know, to tell them a little bit about you. And the thing is, what, what we find out in the world is there's so many people in the world, but we're not really that different. You know, you talk about, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about billions of people in the world and 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 as an artist you want one percent of that you know as a fan base you know one percent of that is a great you know piece you know you take a half a percent you know of of that population so the, the biggest thing is is who in the world is like me who has a similar story to me who who um 
you know, grew up in the inner city and then transitioned out, you know, to the suburbs who felt like, you know, the career that they, the career path that they were on wasn't for them, who feels like they're continuously still loading and, and, and who they are supposed to be or whatever their purpose is, hasn't truly come to them yet. Who feels like that in the world? And how do I tap into those people? Because I know I'm not the only one. I know there's millions and millions of people who feel the same way. And so once I can get that to them, I've not only told my story, I told our story because we all share the same commonality in that space. So, you know, it's extremely important. And Ron, I mean, I love cliches. One of my favorite cliche sayings around that is facts, tell stories, sell, right? So I'm sure you see that on both sides. Yep. Right. Yeah. And when people ask me about my travels around the world and my Boeing career in that experience, I say my biggest takeaway is that everybody's the same. We all put our pants on the same way. We all have to put a roof over our head, food on the table. We're all human beings. There's there's nothing different. You know, traditions and culture are different. And obviously our governments are different. But when it comes down to the human being, we're all the same. So you need to get on an airplane and go visit with these people and see how they live, exchange ideas, see where the similarities are, see where the differences are. And you'll just become so much more of a rounded human being to be able to share those stories with others because they can't get on an airplane, come to your place and tell their story. So you got to be their storyteller for others. Ron, that's something big that says a ton about you. I feel about, you know, most people go on vacation and they go to the touristy spots but instead, you you emerge yourself with the locals and learn culture and learn more about different people. And that, I'm pretty sure that's what led you to find out, hey, we're all pretty much the same. We all have the same basic human mm-hmm. desires, wants, needs, emotionally, physically, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. As, long as, we, as long as we don't allow fear to get in the way. It's true. Right. You know, uh, I remember taking my first trip out of the country. And, uh, man, you know, like the, the, the people around me, man, everybody was just like, you know, nervous. I wouldn't do that. I mean, I, you know, that's, that's <laughs> you don't know how they're going to treat you over there. And this is mm-hmm. like all these different things, all these different fears that would keep us mm-hmm. from experience something that was great. But I've always just felt like, you know, that's my role or that's my purpose in this world because I went on that trip. You know, I came back, you know, with, with, with pictures and videos and stories to tell and stuff. And then all of a sudden, everybody's wide eyed, like, oh, man, maybe it is cool. And I'm like, you can do it. Like, it's not even, uh, you know, uh, I know my dad always tells me, man, he was like, man, when I was growing up, people didn't travel like that. He was like, you know, now it seems like people are just all over the place, you know, going and coming, you get a passport, you can be in and out of the country and stuff. And I think that's valuable for us as a people, as a, as a, as a just a race. I mean, you know, as the human race in general, man, it's huge for us to be able to explore. And like you said, sometimes I have to come to your territory to understand you and understand mm-hmm. what's going on. Because if I rely on watching TV or, or the news, you know, my, my, my thought of what is really, you know, happening or going on in your country or what it's like can be skewed either good or bad. You mm-hmm. know, it can be skewed good or bad. We get, like you said, some people were looking at Atlanta and all they saw was the freak Nick. All they saw was the party. Yeah. Like, Man, they having a good time there. But right. yeah. there's a there's a world, there's a community, there's a life there outside of that one thing that you see via media that you have to go experience for yourself. 
Yeah, and if you go to if you go to a new city, uh, go ahead and see some of the big tourist things, but also go where the locals go. Yeah, uh, to learn learn more about the, the city and the culture and the people. That's where you find it, not at the tourist places. Yeah, uh, I was in Madrid. I was in Madrid, and I went to the uh, concierge and said the same thing. I said, "Don't send me mm-hmm. where you send everybody else. Send me where." The local people go, is there a local bar? Is there like somewhere I can go? And she yeah. kind of looked at me like, you sure? I'm like, yes, yeah, send me like send me where everybody that's from here goes. Cause I know y'all not going to the places, you know, that you're sending everybody. And so she did. And you know, in my time in Madrid, that place was the most fun I had, you know, while I was yeah. there for those, you know, four or five days. So yeah, I used to go to Madrid every year for a big trade show for for my end of the aviation business. And we had a research facility there. The last day of the trade show, the last evening, the locals would do a tapas hunt, so to speak. We you know yeah. leave at ten o'clock at night and go hopping from tapas bar to tapas bar, tapas bar, and get to meet all the locals and taste the local food and wine. It was just a great yeah. time, and everybody looked forward to it. Uh, the end of every trip. So what's the you find out in places like that is they don't close like we do. You could be out. No, what five they, six and like <laughs> you can't find a restaurant open at seven eight o'clock at night to get dinner like we typically do. Is they don't start yeah. till like nine o'clock at night and go till yeah. two in the morning like it's. Well, did you find out? So spent about three weeks in Germany at one point, and my stepmom's German. So you're talking about being able to be submerged with the locals. Mm-hmm. We stayed with her brother, so we just tagged along with him. And all the local restaurants, and it's a very small town. Awesome, can't get away with anything. But uh, <laughs> with different cultures, I mean, outside of the American culture, the meal is really the event. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about what you're doing; it's about who you're spending time with and building relationships with. And yeah. they're so much more slowed down, and you know, cherish that so much more because life is really no. about relationships and connections. It's, it's not about yeah. turning tables over there. Right. <laughs> it's about the experience. Yep. So, yeah. So, what's the next big, big thing for Rod Hardy? So, we got a lot of good things in the pipeline, man. I got a. So, like I said, we we dropped the project. Cuffing season came out two weeks ago. It's doing really well. Got a couple shows coming up. I'm in Los Angeles, which is which is awesome to be uh, in my second home. You know, mm-hmm. performing April 23rd. I'll be here in Los Angeles doing a show. This Friday, I actually got a, a special drop. So I wrote a song for my daughter's her first birthday this Friday. And so we'll release that. It's actually the lead single to our next EP that's coming out. And so, uh, you know, that was one of those things where I knew what I wanted to write about, but I didn't know what I was going to write, you know, until we were in the studio, you know, filtering through beats and we picked that up. So I'm super excited about that to release that, uh, you know, usually day of a release is 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 all pushing all marketing you know mm-hmm. all hands on deck but this one will be different because it'll be her birthday you know we'll be doing stuff with her and her party and stuff so this will be one of those releases that i'll release and i won't find out what happened until you know sunday and stuff so i'm <laughs> excited i'm really i'm really excited about that i'm just you know kind of letting it see you know, how the fans accepted and stuff and, and, and catching up a few days later and seeing how it does. So that's coming. And then this summer, as I said, this summer we'll be on tour. Uh, just, you know, we haven't locked in the dates or excuse me, we haven't locked in the locations in which we'll be at. But 
this summer is all about, you know, getting out, meeting the people, performing live. You know, for the last two years, everything's been shut down, you know, haven't been able mm-hmm. to really get out there. So, yeah. so this is my this is my year, my summer to be able to go out and touch those fans that bought into something, you know, that I was doing so quickly, you know, and really being able to say, uh, put a face, you know, or a handshake, you know, with the music and stuff. So, so that's going to be huge. It's a big summer coming, big year. People listening, I mean, if they want to, you know, taste of what you're producing, on what platforms, where can they go? Where can they find your content? Yep. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all Rod Hardy underscores, R-O-D-H-A-R-D-Y underscore on all those platforms. RodHardyMusic.com is going to be your hub for everything. Uh, all things, the shows are there, merch is there, everything listed there. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music for streams under Rod Hardy. And then, you know, once you get on there, as soon as you get on that website, uh, my phone number will pop up actually where I actually communicate with my fans, you know, via text to be there with them. And they can just shoot me a text right there with that number. If I'm in your city, you know, or new music coming, You'll always get a message from me to let you know what's going on, to keep the fans involved and know, you know, they're a part of, you know, what we do. And, and, you know, and if I know about it, I even try to reach out and give my fans a call or a text on their birthdays and stuff. Just like I said, to let them know, you know, I appreciate, you know, in this in, in, in this industry, in this space, the people are everything. So I appreciate every stream, every merch sale, every uh, show they attend and stuff. It's all important to me. Yeah, uh, gratitude will take you places. Yes. We we talk about that quite a bit on our on our podcast and in, in uh, our own individual lives. So, Rod, we greatly appreciate you spending your valuable time uh, with us today. So, uh, not only can Zach and I get to know you better, but right. also uh, our listening audience and your story. I think it's just a tremendous sure. story, and one it was really a grabber for me uh, when your team reached out to me to uh, have you come on the show, but. Uh, Zach and I always end uh, when we interview somebody with the same question. There is no right answer to it. It's about what's in your heart. So what do the words generate your value mean to you? I think generate your value, kind of what I touched on before, is, is to me, generating your value means tapping into who you are and being comfortable with that. You know, if I'm, if I'm a great marketer, I'm the best marketer, you know, like believing in yourself, your, your value. You generate the value by the confidence you have in what you do. And I think that's extremely important to continuously grow, evolve, learn. And like you said, generate more and more value to yourself. Be an asset that people can't get rid of, don't want to get rid of, you know. Yeah, it's really about a mindset, isn't it? You know, just you're you're still loading your mindset mantra of still loading fits right in with that, right? Because it's, yeah. it's it's about being creative and always looking for ways to generate value uh, within the world. Yeah. And so we we see that in you with uh, our conversation today and we wish you all the best of luck in, in your endeavors and keep going out there and generating value in this world. We'll be following you and rooting you on. I appreciate it. I appreciate it's you all having me. You tour on the Eastern Seaboard. I will for sure. You know, I was in Atlanta. I, I got a chance to come and record a song with Lil Boosie at his house. And he's got a big okay. estate there in Atlanta. He does. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so it, he's probably uh, Freak Nick 2.0 at his place when he throws his <laughs> part. 
Yeah, but a really good dude, you know, and that's one of the things I would say, man, just to touch on, you know, how much of a uh, inspiration he was to be in this position that he is and be interested mm-hmm. in working with somebody like me and, and being able to, you know, interest with somebody just starting out, you know, but also, you know, me going into that room, you know, knowing who I am as a musician and being able to sit down with him and have a real conversation, you know, great person, man, from my experience, you know, the world may. Like I said, this 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 the social media aspect of things, people may see you a certain way, man, but that's a good dude, man. He he definitely gave me a lot of good pointers in my music and taught me a lot. So, you know, when I come to Atlanta, I'm definitely gonna knock on his door, man, and, and, and continue and continuously get the chance to speak with him and learn. Well, if you set a date to perform in Atlanta, be sure to shoot us a shoot us a note so we can come see we you. We will for sure. All righty. Uh once again, everybody uh, listening out there, we greatly appreciate you uh, tuning into this uh, this great episode, great conversation with Rod Hardy. Uh, go out and check his social platforms, find his music, understand what his message is and how he's generating value in this world. And if you got any nuggets out of this conversation, be sure to share it with others so they don't miss out on that opportunity. And uh, as we always say, if this generated value for you, go ahead and give us a follow don't subscribe on the button. We prefer to follow us on our journey as we grow with you. So, so that being said, have a great day, have a great week, and uh, keep generating your value in this world. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online on Instagram at the Fitzpreneur. Facebook, and LinkedIn. For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for Generate Your Value on those platforms. Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value in this world. Stand on stage, mic in there, catch my breath while fans sing my song. I can feel it in the air heating up like the lights is on This way of feeling gonna be something special I feel a little different like it's something special From the minute I'm on stage, boy, it's something special